The Leach Report Radio Network is on the air with the voice of the Wildcats, Tom Leach. This is where the Big Blue Nation comes for the latest news and views on the Cats. The show is served up by Wild Eggs of Lexington. Interact with the show now by tweeting at Leach Report or email leachreport at gmail.com. Call us at 877-904-1080. Now, the voice of your Wildcats, Tom Leach. Football Friday edition of the Leach Report on a beautiful fall Friday. Uh, out at uh, Keeneland yesterday as the fall meets wrapping up. Um, trees are just looking spectacular around central Kentucky. Hopefully the same wherever you are tuned in to us today. And coming up, we're going to chat with C.J. Conrad, one of the heroes of Kentucky's last visit to Columbia, Missouri, where the Cats will be tomorrow. Uh, Justin Rowland from Cats Illustrated joins us on Fridays. And we'll wrap up with the radio voice of the Missouri Tigers, Mike Kelly, for a bit of a scouting report. It's the guest lineup. Let's jump right into the Wildcat news of the day. It's a service of the Leach Report Radio Network. Mark Stoops talking to reporters yesterday, and he said it was a good week of practice for his guys. He said he's challenged them to have the right mindset. I'm sure there's a little concern about a possible letdown off that Tennessee game. You also have the prospect of Georgia coming into town next week. And when Kentucky went to Missouri two years ago, you had the big game with Georgia that was coming up the next week, and Kentucky turned in a really flat performance out at Missouri. Uh, needed a miracle to pull out the victory, which we'll talk about uh, with CJ here in a bit. So that's uh, one of the challenges for tomorrow. I think back, though, to 2016, and Kentucky had, uh, I think, played a flat game the previous trip to Missouri, So, and it was going to be an early start, and concern about, you know, could they get the engines revving for the early start, and Mark Stoops made it a big point of emphasis that week, and they went out and just kicked Missouri all over the field that day with their uh, rushing attack. So I'm sure they'd love to be able to do that tomorrow and just go in to establish, establish control early. Uh, defense has played its best football in a long time in the last two weeks, but uh, tomorrow will be interesting to see how they do without Quentin Bohanna. Had to play with him that had to play without him in the second half last week, but now it's a whole game, and we'll see how Kentucky rotates its nose guards. As we said earlier in the week, uh, Q was had put himself in a position where he could play a lot of snaps, and I don't think they'll be playing anywhere near as many snaps with Marquan McCall as they did with Bohanna. Stoops yesterday was asked about it, didn't want to put a number on the snaps for Marquan, but I think you'll see more of a rotation, but you have two freshmen behind him in Justin Rogers and Josiah Hayes. And Stoops uh, was uh, telling me, I think off the air at the radio show this week, I had a, a visit with Justin after the Tennessee game, and Justin talked about his you know welcome to the SEC moment that he had in in that game. I can't remember exactly what happened, but anyway, uh, he's going through the adjustment phase. So that's, uh, you know, an interesting angle to this because Kentucky has played so well defensively, and Bohanna's a big part of that. Stoops just lavished praise on Bohanna and Phil Hoskins after the Mississippi State game. So Kentucky's losing an NFL-caliber defensive lineman there, and we'll see um, how it goes in this game and then, Obviously, it would be an even bigger concern probably for the next week against Georgia. Uh, 
don't think many of you will be making the trip. A few family members and, and friends of players will be about it. But if you are one of those, just know you need to dress warmly. It was 84, I think, yesterday in Columbia, Missouri. Tomorrow it's going to be 48. We're going to see a similar transformation here in Kentucky. Uh, no rain in the forecast out in Columbia, Missouri, but and uh, the wind's not going to be anything to, to speak of apparently either. So just a chilly Saturday in Columbia, Missouri. 48 degrees, the anticipated high. Uh, CBI Insurance presenting our game day weather forecast here on the Leach Report. A couple of recruiting notes that we need to hit. One for uh, basketball. Kentucky gets the commit as expected from Sky Clark, uh, the young man from Nashville who is 6'3", top five player in the class of 2022. But there remains speculation that he will transfer or uh, reclassify into the class of 21. Now, he has maintained that he's not going to do that, but I think he's on track academically to at least give himself that option. Football, Kentucky has picked up a commitment from Jamarius Dinkins, a defensive end from the Columbus, Ohio area. 6'6", 255, a three-star prospect who had offers from West Virginia, uh, University of Virginia, and Michigan State. And we'll talk about that commitment, uh, both actually, the uh, Dinkins and the Clark commitments, when Justin Rowland joins us a little later on. And then uh, Urban Meyer, Fox Sports analyst now. Excuse me. He came out with his head coach of the week and his coordinators of the week. And a Kentucky name was on both lists. Mark Stoops, number one on the list of head coaches of the week for his performance last week and his team's performance. And defensive coordinator Brad White was number three on Urban Meyer's coordinator list. So some nice recognition there for the Kentucky coaches as the Big Ten gets set to return to action. Actually, tonight, there's, I think it's Illinois and Wisconsin, is on tonight. And then you have a, a full slate of Big Ten games coming up tomorrow. Also tonight, Game 3 in the World Series, and Lexington Henry Clay High School product Walker Bueller will be on the hill for the Dodgers with the series squared at a game apiece. When we come back, we'll hear from C.J. Conrad, now on the U.K. coaching staff after a stellar career as a tight end for Big Blue. We'll hear from him as we lead off this Friday edition of the Leach Report, served up by Wild Eggs of Lexington. This is the Leach Report on Talk Radio 1080. You can interact with the show via Twitter, at Leach Report. Now, here's Tom. Football Friday edition of the Leach Report to the KentuckyHempWorks.com hotline we go. Bring on former Wildcat tight end C.J. Conrad, now on the staff for Coach Stoops as a Grad assistant. Uh, CJ, first, just what's it like looking at the uh, football field from this different perspective now? Uh, it's definitely different, but I really have enjoyed it. Uh, it, it it's, uh, it's a lot different perspective, but the thing that I've enjoyed a lot is, one, obviously helping our guys and, and, and kind of giving them a perspective from someone who just, you know, just got done playing. But also what I've also loved is how much I've learned about the game over the last you know, three months. I thought I knew a lot. When I played, you know, playing a lot of games here and, and, and playing a year in the NFL, but there's just so much more to learn, and then I'm kind of taking that into the, you know, telling our players, like, hey, I think you guys may think that you know a lot, but there's so much more to learn and what's spend some more time in the film room, getting to know opponents, and small things you could pick up on by just putting extra work in. What are some of those little fine details that you're picking up on now that are different from when you were playing? 
Uh, I would just say the tendencies, the, the types of defenses, and, and then just in general, not knowing just what your job is, but maybe knowing what all other 10 guys on the field on the offense are doing, what all, all 11 guys on the defense are doing, why they're doing it, and, and those type of things. Because I think sometimes guys just kind of memorize what their job is on that play. And that's great and all, and you, and you don't have any missed assignments, but it's also great to know what everybody else is doing because then you'll kind of pick up on things and be able to be a little bit more savvy and, and understand things a little bit more. The team your alma mater's playing on Saturday out in Columbia is going to have a, a big chip on its shoulder, in large part because of what you did to them on the last <laughs> play of the game two years yeah. ago. Um, yeah. Do you think the guys are ready for what the environment is that they'll walk into? Yeah, you know, that's what thing we've been harping on these guys all week is it's always really tough to play there. I remember my two times going there. Uh, one, we, we came in with the right mentality. Uh, uh, like I remember it was uh, 2016, it, it must have been. It was my sophomore year. We did a really nice job kind of matching their intensity and some and, and, and had a great day, and I think uh, we, we won by 20 or so points. And then going back to my senior year, you know, we came out, at least offensively, really didn't have the energy that we needed um, in that environment, and they just flat out outplayed us for four quarters, and it wasn't, thank God for our defense, or we lose that football game. The stadium is, is different from what you typically uh, go into in the SEC. They're doing some some uh, big renovations. I'll be interested to see how, how it's changed since we were last there. But is that part of what makes it hard to play there, or is it something else? No, I would just say that. You know, it's, uh, it's more of an open stadium that, the noise doesn't get quite, you know, as loud. And the thing is, is we've always played them pretty early in the morning. So, you know, you, you get used to playing so many night games at home, right, and where, where the energy is great and, and Kroger Field is rocking. And then you go, you know, to Missouri at, you know, 12, you know, 3 o'clock or, or noon, and, and it's kind of hard to get your juices flowing. And, and so that's kind of one thing that Coach Suits has harped on this week is just starting fast and, and, and matching their intensity and then, you know, you know, keep moving forward and, and, and bring that energy the whole game all four quarters. Terry really took a major step towards solidifying him as the, the starting quarterback with leading you guys back that day out at Missouri and then knocked out last year after just a couple of games. So you, you didn't see him last year, but now you're watching him play from a different perspective and then you saw him two years ago. So what do you see that you think he's really improved at? Well, I think he's taking more of a leadership role. I, I I've noticed it, especially last week at Tennessee. I think that he's improved in that aspect a lot. He's, you can see he's a lot more confident. And, you know, it's a, it's a long process. You know, some people aren't born and raised natural alphas and, and, and loud-spoken people, but Terry's really kind of taken on that role for our offense uh, the last couple of weeks, and I've been really proud of him. I was just uh, talking to him the other day, and I was telling him that we have to uh, rehearse that touchdown in the end zone in pregame warm-ups. Uh, yeah, and hopefully he'll get a chance to uh, do that on Saturday because this is a team that, um, in talking to Eddie Grant, uh, he tells me they play probably 75-80% man-to-man. So, you know, when defensive backs have their back turned guarding their wideout, that can leave some big lanes open for the quarterback sometimes. Absolutely. They, they run a ton of man-to-man coverage, and uh, we've, we've shown them all that this week, and, and I think Terry knows that, and Terry's at his best when he's playing confident and, and throwing the football and running the football and, and moving the, our offense up and down the field. And I think he, he can do that, and, and we've 
you know, had a great week of practice throwing the ball. So I think, you know, we're at our best when Terry's at his best, and, and I, I feel confident he's going to be really good on Saturday. Where's this Kentucky team at right now in a, from a confidence standpoint uh, after what they've done the last two weeks? Oh, we're in a good spot. I, I, I can feel it. What I like about our team is we're, you know, not overly, uh, like, hyped guys, so we don't have a lot of guys who are very, you know, extremely vocal. You know, you think of, like, your Josh Pascals of the world. Like, those guys are kind of quiet-spoken guys, but over the last couple of weeks, like, you can kind of see the leadership kind of picking up and, and, and this confidence and swagger that they have about themselves. And I really have enjoyed it just looking at it from a perspective when I was here. These guys were young guys, kind of not, you know, quieter guys. And now, you know, they're seeing in the 10-game SEC schedule, we got to have some leaders. And, and the last two weeks, I've really seen guys step up to the plate. Do you think you'd like to stay in coaching? Oh, this is, this is my career for sure. What is it you like about it? Uh, I just like, I enjoy making guys better. I, 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 you know, coming from someone who played the game and, and played it at this level, knowing how challenging it is and, and what you go through, and that's what I've enjoyed because I feel like I can relate to the players, you know, and that's something I take with me every single day is just kind of give it, coaching them from a player's perspective but also obviously a coach's perspective, you know, being somebody who's in the office, you know, 15 hours a day and watching a bunch of film in those meetings, you know, hearing what Coach Grant and, and all those guys want out of us and kind of just translating it to the players. What's something that um... – you think you've really uh, learned that you uh, didn't know about football, if there's anything that comes under that heading? Oh, man. Uh, I guess just uh, the biggest thing for me was just knowing that, you know, there's big picture things. And, and when I played, you know, just it wasn't that I thought I knew everything. Like, I, I always took every single day, you know, thinking that I wanted to learn more. But just like the small little nuances that you can, that you can learn if you just spend a little bit more time just knowing the game and knowing things about defenses and they're putting in that extra time. I mean, other than that, I, I, you know, this is what I expected. When I, when I was a player, like my junior, senior year, I kind of like to spend a lot of time upstairs because I like to see what the coaches were, you know, young GAs were working on. So I kind of knew what the grind was going to be like, and it's been everything I've thought so, thought so far. CJ, safe travels to Mizzou. We'll see you out there. Thanks, Tom. Tight end C.J. Conrad, now a grad assistant coach for Mark Stoops, joining us on the KentuckyHempWorks.com hotline. Kentucky Hemp Works is locally grown and locally processed hemp. They have a bunch of fields on their farm, family farm, Kentucky Proud Farm down in Christian County, and they have all these fields where you can see uh, rows and rows of hemp plants, and then they process them on site into CBD oil, and a variety of other products. But they like to say they're more than just CBD, and you can see that in some of their videos that you'll find on their YouTube channel or Instagram, TikTok, Facebook. Check out all those social media platforms for some fun giveaways and a lot of great info about what the hemp industry can mean to our state and its family farms. KentuckyHempWorks.com. We'll be right back with Justin Rowland on the Leaf Report Radio Network. Find out more about the Voice of the Cats and get great coverage of the Big Blue at TomLeachKY.com. 
Back to the KentuckyHempWorks.com hotline. We bring on Justin Rowland from Cats Illustrated. We'll uh, start with some of the recruiting news, Justin. Kentucky picked up a commitment last night in football from a defensive end in the Columbus, Ohio area, Jamarius Dinkins. What's the scoop on Mr. Dinkins? Yeah, so he's a guy that Kentucky's coaches have apparently been, been recruiting for a really long time, and they're not taking a huge number of uh, guys in this class, so I think they had to make a decision as to whether they were going to push hard for him earlier this week, and they decided that they want him. I guess they, they were really impressed with his senior tape to date. I think he's like in the ballpark of six foot six, 270 pounds. Just his measurables are really good and project well. And, uh, you know, you don't turn away good defensive linemen. So Michigan State, West Virginia, Cincinnati, uh, some of the other schools that, that were after him. And this is Vince Morrow's eighth commitment in the class. So he's earning that raise from the offseason. And whether you think about a Josh Allen or a um, Callan Taylor, Kentucky's done nice work developing D-linemen. Yeah, yeah. I think he's, he's probably going to be a defensive end because of that length and he'll have his hand in the dirt. And, you know, they, they were really big on defensive tackles in the last recruiting class, so getting some links up front uh, was important. He and Khalil Saunders from Alabama both have that, and, uh, and that kind of balances out what they did last year. Sky Clark commits for Kentucky basketball. This was certainly no surprise, but uh, what are you and your team hearing about the possibility of a reclassification? Well, you know, I was talking to our guys David Sisk and Travis Grapp about this last night, and uh, I I was assuming it was going to happen, but it seems like they might be sort of leaning towards 2022, and maybe Kentucky even is leaning towards uh, preferring that. They would take him in whatever class uh, he wants to be in, and they think he's physically ready to play in the SEC, you know, very soon, but... You know, apparently 2022 is a very real possibility, and so Salas would be important. Hunter Salas would be important to, to get 2021 20, going in the backcourt. But he's not going to announce until the spring, right? Yeah, that's right. Well, there, there's a possibility that he could push that up, and there's maybe a sneaking suspicion that that, that could happen. But, but, yeah, it's not on the calendar for him to decide anytime soon. We're chatting with Justin Rowland. You can read him at catsillustrated.com on Twitter. It's at Roland Rivals. And we'll get to a break and come back and get into a little detailed discussion about the Kentucky matchup with Mizzou tomorrow out in Columbia on a chilly fall Saturday afternoon out on the plains of Missouri. We'll be right back with Justin Rowland. Here are the Leach Report, served up by Wild Eggs of Lexington. Can't get to a radio? You can listen to us live on the web at talkradio1080.com. Now, back to the show. Justin Rowland on the KentuckyHempWorks.com hotline as uh, we get into a little discussion now about the Cats and Missouri tomorrow. You were there two years ago for that uh, crazy finish, right? Yeah, yeah, I was there with Sean Smith, and we were in the back of the end zone. Uh, down there on Kentucky's touchdown path, and that was that was pretty exciting, pretty cool to be at. You know, this watching a Missouri player slam his helmet down on the ground and a ref drop a flag because he has to, like twenty seconds after after the play was over, and it was euphoric. I mean, to watch that game is almost like the Arkansas game in 
been Commonwealth Stadium a long time ago with, with Randall Cobb. Just no no sense that Kentucky could win because they had been so lackluster. But just the, the finish was, was pretty amazing to watch. Yeah, both of those games are games that, you know, if you're a longtime Kentucky fan, you've seen uh, the other side of that too many times to mention. And, um, you know, it was you know nice for Kentucky fans to be on the other side of that where Missouri thoroughly outplayed them the whole day. And it really wasn't until – I mean, you just there was no sense that Kentucky was going to be able to move the ball. They were playing great on defense. But until they got that Lynn Bowden punt return, it kind of uh, changed everybody's mood. Yeah, yeah. Some of the memories from that game, Missouri no first, first downs in the second half. Incredible um, stat. Yeah, Terry. I mean, that was one of the one of the most most amazing lockdown defensive performances. And to know what Drew Locke has done, um, at, you know, making it to the NFL since then is 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 really impressive. Five straight wins against Missouri, and you know that's kind of the thing that everybody at Mizzou, you know, fixates on now. That one of the reasons Barry Odom didn't make it. How did we lose five straight games to Kentucky? But at this point, you know. It, I think you got to say Kentucky's just the better program, and that's one reason you got to be confident about this weekend. Yeah, I think there's a, you know some of that going on down at Tennessee this week. That kind of you know how did this you know how did the Vols lose this badly to Kentucky? But um, I think you would agree that over the last few years, Kentucky has moved ahead of Missouri, South Carolina, and. A, Vanderbilt was was the first of, of those as they ascended the ladder in the SEC East, and uh, it felt like they were on par with Tennessee before last week, except that they weren't winning their share. So now that was you know a uh, a win where you've won, all of a sudden you've won two out of the last four and won three times since 2011, and you know if you're going to try to pass somebody on the ladder, you've got to actually win uh, your share of the games, and they did it with the. Uh, in authoritative fashion last week. Well, I, I think this last game against Tennessee last week was the first time that I've ever seen those teams line up against each other, and it looked like Kentucky was actually on par talent-wise with Tennessee. Even last year, they were able to run the ball, but Tennessee's receivers were able to go make plays against the secondary. And Tennessee was able to make those 50-50 stops, those plays in the open field, those tackles they needed to make. They need to go get a ball. They went, they went and got a ball. The first time in my lifetime, it felt like Kentucky had as much talent as Tennessee. And I, I really don't remember seeing that. Even back when, when Steven Johnson beat him a few years ago, it still felt like Tennessee still had little matchup edges at important spots on the field. And, and you know, I, I go into this weekend's game, we go into this weekend's game, and I think Kentucky, it's, it's hard for me to see Missouri scoring much on Kentucky's defense because the defense really has turned a big corner. How significant is the uh, injury, speaking of the defense, to Quentin Bohanna? I mean, I think it's huge. Yeah, when 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 he left the game, you could see Tennessee double down. They were able to run the ball on Kentucky, and they were fortunate early in the second half. Their linebackers made some timely stops to finish drives and to keep Tennessee from doubling down on that strategy the rest of the game. Um, but I think the complication is you're not substituting in Marquand McCall, who can play 50 snaps like Bohanna was. You know, Marquand has only played 20, 25 snaps most games. He doesn't have that endurance that Bohanna does. Um, so you're really pressing yourself and stressing the depth. Um, you're probably going to a third guy at that position, really, because of the depth issue. 
And, uh, you know, we don't know how Kentucky – Missouri won't be able to exploit that. But you get to the Georgia week, that, that's a real problem. And that third guy is going to be a freshman, Rodgers or Josiah Hayes or, or both. And, um, you know, Bohanna was a guy that tied up blockers, and that frees up you know, linebackers to roam freely. And I think McCall can certainly do that, but as you point out, he's not going to be able to do it for as many snaps as Bohanna did. Yeah, and, you know, those freshman defensive linemen are going to be really good players. They wouldn't be playing now as true freshmen if they weren't. But if you watch the Tennessee game, I think Kentucky was up something like 14 to nothing. And Anwar Stewart, the defensive line coach, put those freshmen in the game, and they got blown off the ball. And, you know, I went back and I noticed that on tape. They got pushed around. Tennessee ran it down their throat. They got flagged. And they were substituted out immediately, and that's when Ty Asian picked off the pass. But the, there was a clear drop-off when, when the twos and those, all those freshmen substituted in. So I think you know, it's asking a lot for a true freshman to step into SEC action you know, without those warm-up games. And, and you know, it'll be interesting to see if they can survive it. Yeah, uh, yes. I think uh, Stoops was telling me during one of the breaks of the coaches' show that he Justin told him he had kind of his welcome to the SEC moment at some point in in that game. Now, as you mentioned, these are guys that are tremendously talented. Rogers was a five star, so their learning curve is probably going to be faster than uh, a lot of other prospects. And so, you know, they uh, they may pick it up quickly, uh, but still, it is a significant loss with Bohanna. Yeah, and you know, the good news is. The linebackers are playing at a very high level right now. You'd be hard-pressed to find five linebackers on a team in the country that are playing as well as Square and Davis and Watson and Wright and Weaver. And, you know, Hoskins is playing a lot of snaps, and so he's got the endurance. And, you know, Josh Pascal is obviously playing at a very high level. And, and Missouri is not the kind of team that's just going to pound you between the tackles and exploit that. So I think they'll be able to survive it this weekend. It, for me, Without Bohanna, if they play, if they play Georgia without him, that's going to be very difficult to survive. Where are the areas that Missouri could cause problems for Kentucky? They got a couple of good good running backs. I mean, Roundtree is going to go down as the second leading rusher in their history. He had he's been successful in all three games to some level against Alabama and Tennessee and LSU, and that's no small thing. And you remember Tyler Beatty last year scored their only touchdown on the long, the long reception in those really bad conditions. Connor Bazlack, if he plays like he did against LSU, um, you know he he could test the defense more like Knicks and Coral did than the last two weeks. But um, really, I think the question is: Kentucky not going to shoot itself in the foot on offense? If they don't shoot themselves in the foot on offense, they should be able to play the kind of game that they want and, and win by one or two scores. That's a, uh, a significant thing for what Terry Wilson does for this team. I was looking up some numbers and preparing for this game with all the interceptions Kentucky's getting. Terry's thrown nine interceptions in his uh, time at Kentucky. Five of those came in his first, I think, five games. So uh, 14 subsequent games, he's only thrown four interceptions. And... Uh, you know, for the way Kentucky plays, having your quarterback a good starting point for your quarterback is just simply not throwing it to the other team. That's a great point. Yeah, and and you know, you think about him, you think normally he's he's protected the football pretty well, and so that's interesting that they're also concentrated early in the season. That makes a lot of sense. I thought that was one of the best games that he's played as a quarterback. I mean, you really haven't seen him putting the ball to the spot before the receiver gets there, before the receiver even turns his head. He was hitting back shoulder throws, even some that didn't count with turnovers. 
Um, he had a, really, a lot of confidence in his receivers and confidence in his protection. The offensive line really took over in the second half there against against Tennessee. I thought it was a really, a really good sign, probably the best that he's looked as a passer in, in a long time. Yeah, it'd be interesting to see if he builds on that because um, LSU and Alabama both threw the ball for over 300 yards against Missouri. Tennessee didn't because they ran for 232, so clearly Mizzou's had uh, some struggles on uh, several areas with its defense, but um, you know they they told us Terry was much better throwing the football coming into the last season. We only got to see two games before he went out, and this year you know, had to, the rust to work through. So is is he at a point where maybe he's uh, feeling more confident in the uh, in his passing game, and his coaches are, and and we'll see Kentucky you know uh, grow that a little bit. We'll, this would be a week where we might get a test of that, right? Yeah, yeah, I think so. I, th- I think the fact that he's he's got a better rapport with his tight ends. You remember it took Steven Johnson a year to get his rapport down with his tight ends. He was a little bit off that first year, and then he became better the second year. And I think this is the best the tight ends are playing and helping the quarterback since C.J. Conrad was on the team. And I think that, that they were able to exploit the middle of the field on slants with a tight end against Tennessee, and that was part of the scouting report. And I think uh, you know that that's a good sign when you tell your quarterback this is what the defense's weakness is, and you go in and you hit it. I think that's a good sign of where the quarterback is at. Um, they're, they're not going to ask him to do a whole lot if he's passing fifteen to twenty times. That's a sign Kentucky's playing the kind of game that they want to play. And I suspect you know they'll be able to do that. One thing that's interesting about Missouri is they, the teams have not run all over them this year. And I don't know if that's because they've passed really well or what, but. They haven't picked off a pass this year, um, so no, no reason to think that, that Kentucky won't be able to score 20 to 24 points and then play the kind of game they want to. Justin Rowland, CatsIllustrated.com. Thank you. Thanks a lot. We'll come back and chat with Mike Kelly. He's the radio voice of the Missouri Tigers. When we return, it's the Leach Report Radio Network, and we're served up by Wild Eggs of Lexington. It's the Leach Report on Talk Radio 1080. Tweet us at Leach Report or email leachreport at gmail.com. We'll go back to the KentuckyHempworks.com hotline. Bring on Mike Kelly. He's the radio voice of the Mizzou Tigers. Uh, I liked the 84 in the forecast uh, for yesterday there, not so much the 48 tomorrow. You know, was that per, was that perhaps that. dyslexic, or is it really dropping that much? No, it's, it's well to give you an indication. Uh, when I got up earlier this morning, it was sixty three. It's currently forty three. Oh, uh, with thunderstorms, and uh, we have a freeze warning for overnight tonight. So um, yeah, it's going to be a little bit, uh, I, I guess, nippy in the morning. But uh, thankfully, we're playing at three o'clock and. Hopefully we'll see some semblance of sun. But, uh, you know, what they say about Missouri weather, if you like it, uh, stick around for five minutes because it'll change. Yeah, they say the same thing about Kentucky, actually. Uh, I know the last time uh, Kentucky was there, they were in the midst of uh, some uh, major work on the the stadium. I know, obviously, a lot of not going to have a lot of Kentucky fans that are making the trek out there. But for those that do, what's uh, how's that coming along? How's it different? Well, the complete... Um, South End Zone project, which houses uh, just the football offices, inclusive of meeting rooms, locker rooms, um, and then there's also suites, um, kind of low seating in the South End Zone. That's all now uh, completed. And so, you know, from before, from our vantage point, time from the, from the press box on the west side of the stadium, that that south side now is completely all enclosed. Um, and it looks great. They have a uh, 
a bunker club, which, you know, under normal circumstances would have a number of fans that would be down basically field level, uh, particularly as the team takes the field. Um, and uh, a huge scoreboard now on the south end, so it's much easier to read than the previous old scoreboard. So it looks nice. They did a wonderful job with the facility. Uh, let's talk about the uh, the team and uh, quarterback, redshirt freshman quarterback that the previous staff had brought in uh, is out of Dayton, Ohio, and a player that Kentucky tried to recruit that uh, really has brought some uh, life to the offense in that LSU game, right? Yeah, he did. Uh, Connor Basilek is his name. He started in the Arkansas game a year ago for his final game of the season and suffered a torn ACL. Um, in high school, he was more of a, of a run-first quarterback. Uh, but, you know, when I saw the young man in, in two days a year ago as a true freshman, uh, compared to the other quarterbacks that were in camp, including Sean Robinson and Kelly Bryant a year ago, there was no question that the kid that had the most hard talent uh, just watching drills was, was Connor Baselak. So he's got a big arm. He's been he's been very accurate, completing 71% of his passes, and his offensive line's only given up four sacks through the first uh, – or five sacks through the first uh, uh, three games of the season. So um, he, he's, he's really done a nice job. And against LSU – they did a very good job of, of really finding breakdowns in the LSU defense and, and completed a lot of passes where literally there was no one around the Missouri receiver at the time. Yeah, I saw one of the highlights, and it's like maybe a post pattern or something. Didn't seem to be anybody within 20 yards of the kid that caught the pass. Yeah. No, yeah, and it's, uh, but you know, that was a, you know, it was, it was a coming out party, if you will, for, for Connor Baselak, and, and the interesting thing about the LSU game is Missouri was down uh, of its top six receivers going into the game. Three of those guys were out because of COVID. So you had two kids that um, had never started um, at at this level, and Toski Dove and Deontay Smith that, that came in and each had six receptions in the game. Chance Looper, um, who's the son of the Missouri running backs coach, played one play, and it turned out to be his first collegiate reception, and it was a 69-yard pass uh, that he took down uh, inside the red zone. So um, they had young guys that, that got an opportunity and made the most of that opportunity. Hey, coach Drinkwitz is, uh, di- I guess, uh, disciples the right word, or certainly worked uh, under Gus Malzahn at a couple of different spots. So is this... Uh, an offense that has that kind of uh, Auburn look to it, where a lot of motion and misdirection and some trick plays. Exactly, and not only Gus Malzahn, but uh, Brian Harson. He spent time with with Coach Harson at, at, at Boise State, um, and you know he's he's one of those guys that's tried to take a blend of, of Gus, a blend of Brian of uh, Brian, and a blend of others, and try to come up with his own thing. And uh, you know. A lot of misdirection for sure, a lot of motion for sure, a lot of pre-snap reads and so, or pre-snap looks and so. Um, it, it, it's been it, it's been fun to watch. Um, as pedestrian as Missouri's offense was a year ago, it's just nice to see the ball move down. And uh, he kept Coach Odom's defensive coordinator, right? He did. Brian Walters um, is now in his, I think, fifth year uh, on the Missouri staff, um, and. Uh, yeah, he and Ryan's done a nice job. He, he was able to keep uh, three assistants on the defensive side, Brick Haley, the defensive line coach, David Gibbs, the cornerbacks coach, and then brought in a couple of guys who were with uh, who were with Coach Drink uh, at App State a year ago.
And uh, you mentioned the uh, receivers uh, hit by COVID. Everybody good good to go for this week, as far as you know? Well, you know, I, Tom, that's kind of a moving target, right? So, you know, from what we know, uh, yes. But then there's another round of tests that I think takes place between, you know, might have taken place last night or takes place this morning. And, um, you know, you find out, I think, it, uh, maybe it was earlier in the week and they find out at 5.30 on Friday or, or 6.30 in the morning on Friday, I think is the time schedule. So, um, to our knowledge, most of the guys are back. Missouri's still down two defensive linemen. Uh, Kobe Whitehead and Darius Robinson because of, because of injury. But, uh, you know, it appears that, that the guys who were held out a week ago for, or two weeks ago for COVID are back. Mike, appreciate the time. We'll see you out there. I look forward to seeing you, my friend. Travel safe. Thank you much. We'll get to a break. And when we come back, we will wrap up this edition of the Leach Report. We're talking about Mizzou's wideouts there with Mike Kelly. Um, you may recognize a name from uh, the Belk Bowl last season. Damon Hazelton transferred as a grad transfer into Missouri. So he was a wideout for Virginia Tech. Played against Kentucky in the Belk Bowl. I went back and looked. He had, uh, he had uh, one catch. And he actually, I guess, had a second catch that doesn't get scored because he caught a lateral on that last play. Like he was the first or second guy that they lateraled the ball to, and then he passed it on to somebody else before eventually Brandon Eccles jarred it loose from the quarterback, and Jordan Wright picked it up and ran it in. This day in Wildcat history, 1999, James Whalen tied a school record with four touchdown catches. Unfortunately, it came in a loss down at Georgia. Got to see James last season when Kentucky played at Texas Tech. Uh, He lives in that area now. And um, one of the really neat uh, stories in Kentucky football history kind of showed up with his his tape, his scouting tape, to try to get a job with this pass-heavy offense that he had read about. And he came from, I think it was Shasta Junior College, and he ended up becoming a first-team All-American, caught 90 balls as a senior. Uh, SEC, uh, they have um, added uh, Bob Delaney, a former NBA ref, to their team. And uh, now he's going to, they say, according to a release release yesterday, take on a bigger role. So it suggests that they're uh, making an effort to upgrade the quality of the officiating work in the Southeastern Conference. Have a great weekend, everybody. We'll see you Monday to recap the game. Thanks for listening to the Leach Report. Make sure you check out the podcast page at TomLeachKY.com whenever you miss a show. And be sure to follow the Leach Report Facebook page. If you have a question for Tom, email it to leachreport at gmail.com.